we're live. G'day, I'm Scotty North and this is Zenium Live where we talk all things money, finance and property. And uh, we're a little bit earlier today, uh, being Friday because, uh, well, everybody in Australia knocks off early. So we thought we'd get the lunchtime rush uh, done a little bit earlier. And so we're at 11.30. So grab your uh, pie or your sausage roll and some, what is it, chocolate milk and uh, some tomato sauce and join us for a good chat about... Uh, well, the dangers of not receiving decent financial advice. And to talk about that, I have none other than PJ Patterson joining me. PJ, how are you going? I'm well, Scotty. Good morning. We are uh, definitely a little bit earlier than usual, which is fine. But, um, you know, hey, it is what it is. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm here at uh, the Garden Path. And um, I'm not going to lead you up the Garden Path, but as you can see over my left shoulder, there is a, a little bit of a warning sign there. Now, that's a nuclear warning sign and we certainly aren't standing in a nuclear site but uh, in any case the metaphor is very um, uh, rele relevant for the topic today which is we have to be super careful about where we get advice and who we get advice from and that's our topic today right is the dangers of and, and actually the dangers of not getting advice so sometimes there's also the dangers of getting advice and who you get it from but we'll start with the dangers of not getting advice um, I thought I might lead into this, Scotty, by sort of prefacing the, the areas of advice that, that are relevant to sort of what you and I do, which is in the financial services space, because there's a number, there's a number of types of advisors we can consult, right? The accountant, the lawyer, the mortgage broker, finance broker, and of course, the financial planner. And each of those advisors have very critical roles to play in, uh, in, in different transactions. I think they're probably self-evident. But uh, I'm sure as we go deeper into the topic today, I'll have a few stories to share and, uh, of course, discuss what happens when you don't consult one of these advisors and uh, either try to go it alone, try to figure it out yourself, or uh, worse yet, listen to, uh, you know, somebody down at the pub and take huh. their advice on something. <laughs> yes, well, the pub stories, they're always, uh, there's a plenty of them. Look, I'm just confirming, I'm glad you confirmed where you were because I was looked like to me that you're at some of the set from the Blair Witch Project or something like that. And that was yeah, well, the Blair Witch well. up there. I don't know. I'm not going up there, mate. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, look, I'll uh, I know you've got lots and lots of stories, but give us give us an idea of a, a very basic like level of, of advisory time when someone or one of your clients or someone that you knew or you heard of that didn't actually get decent advice and what happened? Sure. In my line of work as a financial planner, I see it all the time. And one of the things that's recently happened, and I'm certainly not going to name names. I, I probably won't even mention the share itself. But I had a client that wanted to get involved in doing some options trading on a particular share. Now, it's, it's a little bit complicated, so I'm not going to go into the, to the real details of it. But one of the issues is uh, they went ahead and did some things really without consulting me first. And what happened is they got put into or, or ended up in a position that uh, has now resulted in uh, some losses in their account. And um, this was because they didn't really ask me about it initially, uh, or they didn't heed my advice actually when they did ask about it. And I told them kind of what to do uh, to protect their capital and to be safe. So what had happened is they had just kind of gotten a little bit too much like a bull in a china shop, went ahead and uh, uh, bought a position, sold an option contract against that position, and ended up uh, with uh, stuck in the position itself. And so that, unfortunately, 
that uh, equity has moved against them. And I don't know if they're going to be able to get out of it. Uh, but it just goes to show you that there are uh, times when you should get advice, if you, especially if you are unfamiliar with a particular, in, in, in this case, a trading strategy. And you should really heed the professional's advice as well, because I live and breathe this stuff every single day. And most of the punters out there, you know, you might attend a course or you might read a book or you might, you know, get a little bit involved in something. And um, what can end up happening is you get excited about it, but you don't really know the, the depth and breadth of the topic and or, or whatever it is you're trying to do. And so if you don't get advice, that's when things can really go awry. So that's one example right, well, of my line of work anyway. Yeah, that's that's good. And so, I mean, that's kind of specific. That's almost like a trading strategy in the shares. And, and I know you've got a lot of clients that do that sort of stuff. But let's even wind it back a bit more. Let's go back to, say, getting the wrong home loan or not having enough death cover for insurance and things like that. I mean, we operate in that field, right? You and I and a bunch of other people that we associate with, we kind of hear these stories and we write them off. But there's a lot of people that don't understand that this stuff happens for real and it can have dire consequences down the track. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, sure, we can bring it back to those those two topics most definitely. Um, you know, I've been in mortgage broking for a very long time. And what what I do find uh, happens a lot, particularly in the mortgage broking space, I get clients all the time that'll come to me and they will have you know, an idea of a certain bank that they want to go to or whatever. And uh, I might say to them, well, look, you know, you need to get this product or this this loan sorted uh, within a certain time frame. And, uh, you know, the advice around that really is the bank that you wanted to use has got a turnaround time of six weeks and you need to know in two weeks. So how about you listen to my advice and we go to a different bank and get you a loan from these guys uh, instead. And uh, anyway, there's heaps of stories like that. But one of the most common ones that I see around, uh, particularly around finance broking, is in structuring and how to actually structure a loan. And um, recently with rates, uh, and I suppose also on rates. So recently, you know, we've had a lot of fixed rates getting into really uh, a low territory and uh, people are sort of falling over themselves to get fixed rates. And there was a time probably in the last eight, nine months where you would have wanted to have waited a little bit to uh, to take advantage of these fixed rates, and I've had some folks, unfortunately, you know, contact the bank directly without calling me first, uh, jump into a four or five year fixed rate. When the reality is, they probably should have jumped into a two or three year fixed rate uh, because the rate certainly was lower on the two to three year time frame. Um, but then, it, you know, they're locked in now for a five year period at probably a slightly higher rate than than what they should be paying. And the advice piece around that was the fact that we're gonna. You know, the RBAs even said it. We're going to have rates, low rates for a long time. And I know that, uh, you know, some people just don't put the whole story together. They don't know all the information. They get hung yeah. up on a particular uh, result that they want, which is I want to lock in my rate for a long period of time, which is fine. But then they don't go to the advisor, as in, in this case, me, to have that conversation to really work out what's best. And then you can find that you're locked into something and you can't unwind it. And that that's probably one of the biggest things that I see happening in uh, in the finance broking side of things is people go ahead and plow forward with something thinking they know, you know, the best thing to do, but they're not the expert. They're not the one that does this every single day. They might, you know, get a home loan once every three to five years. So um, that's yeah, one that's example. Exactly right. Yeah. And look, I mean, on uh, one of our clients uh, from, you know, they didn't go it alone. They actually sought 
advice from a, from a planner and they had a self-managed super fund and uh, they had this fund for quite some time um, and they decided to buy a property uh, in the super fund and they got down the track and they found the right property, they searched for ages and they went to get the loan. The loan got knocked back and they got knocked back due to serviceability in the super fund and uh, my client's like, what do you mean? There's money going in all the time and it turns out that they were sensationally overinsured um, in the super fund. In fact, just about all the contributions were being taken up in insurance payments and therefore when they went for a home loan, a loan in the bank, an investment loan, they said, well, they can't service it even with the rent. And they just went, what are you talking about? There's heaps of money there. And so that was just a, a mistake, like not a, not a genuine, like a, not a mistake that happens often, I'd hope, but that was a s- severe situation now, they could rectify that. They can't rectify what's happened before, but they can make those changes moving forward. They technically haven't lost a bunch of money. They've maybe lost an opportunity to buy a property in the immediate future right now. But that's still an example of probably what I'd say not ideal advice. Um, and you must come across that as well with when you get clients from you know that have been elsewhere and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's... Um... You know, it's interesting when I sit down and talk with people for the first time, you, you really have, I think, two types of people that come in through the door, right? They're the ones that that uh, sort of know it all or think they know it all and are going to tell you what is best for them. Uh, and the ones who readily admit that they come in and they go, you know, we don't know. And that's why we're sitting here talking to you. And um, so they're two very different mindsets. But, you know, back to your example. Again, that's a situation where someone took action without actually getting the information up front and having someone just do a little bit of legwork. And ultimately, I guess a lot of what I do is when I sit down with people is we talk about what is it that they want to do. And that's usually the first question I start with is someone might come to me and say, you know, I want an investment loan. I want you to get me a loan for an investment property. And I'll go, well, hang on a second. Let's just have a conversation first about what you're trying to achieve. Uh, what's the time frame? What is it you're thinking? Why are you doing this? You know, what's the rationale behind it? We really deep dive into all of that because the last thing that you think about, you know, particularly in the mortgage space, in, in my view, is what's the interest rate? That's irrelevant. It's what are you trying to do? Uh, what's the circumstances that you are presenting with? Do we have all the options uh, available to us in the lending space? Or is it, in your example, great example, it's a self-managed super fund loan. Um, you know, does the fund even have enough money in it? Is the fund even set up for that matter? You know, and unfortunately, again, as I mentioned earlier, people usually do the, um, you know, fire ready aim sort of uh, mentality. Uh, they shoot first and they they aim last. And that's, you know, the other way around. You should be, you know, ready, f- aim, fire kind of thing. So um, that's really what getting advice is all about. And that's the danger of going it alone. And there's, again, there's so many examples of this, uh, just to pivot slightly away from mortgages and finance, you know, I am involved in a number of different types of transactions that require legal documentation. Now it used to be that, you know, you could almost go on a handshake and you could accept someone's word uh, that they would, uh, you know, um, adhere to their end of the bargain. And unfortunately those days, you know, there, there are very few people around anymore that can operate on that basis. But even if there are, the issue is not around whether uh, I'm going to, you're going to do what you say you're going to do. It's what happens if, you know, you die or something like that. And uh, who then knows the agreement that we had or the transaction that we're entered into. So this is one of the reasons why, you know, anytime you enter into 
a business transaction or some sort of other arrangement that really should be documented, uh, say with, with legal documentation, it's important to make the investment with a, a proper you know, commercial lawyer, if you're buying a business or something like that, to document the what happens if things go wrong. Um, you, you know, these documents aren't put in place for what happens if things go right, because we know the result of that. Usually it's, you know, everybody makes money and they're happy and whatever. But what happens if things go wrong? And that's why we, you know, get advice and, and oftentimes need legal documentation. And I suppose it's the same analogy with something like financial advice. Is you might have an idea, I might, you know, I want to go buy these shares or whatever, uh, but you don't think through it, you don't do the analysis, you don't have the tool set to do that. And, and you're not thinking, well, what happens if things go wrong? Everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to make a million bucks and, you know, my, my Bitcoin's going to be $100,000 at the end of the year, whatever, you know, per coin. But uh, they don't think to ask, what happens if it doesn't do that? What do I do then? Yeah. That's what advice is all yeah. about. Yeah, I agree. And it's also that you do, it's the saying that keeps ringing true, right, is that you don't know what you don't know. And, sure. and for people that operate in their respective spaces, yours in – you and yours and me and mine. I mean, <clears throat> there's there's so much in property alone that people only buy what you know, maybe six properties in a lifetime, maybe three. You know, like we do it daily each week. Uh, same with you and stocks and shares and planning and all that sort of stuff and mortgages. Mm-hmm. There's uh, people only touch on these things as a portion, and yet it's, it's such a massive impact in their life. You know the going in the having a plan for the right direction or buying the right property or buying the right you know being invested in the right funds and all that sort of stuff uh having the plan for retirement it's it's a bit late when you're 80 uh you know to start thinking about that stuff or getting assistance on it so i think that um it's sort of super important to realize as you said that you don't have to know it all you can rely on people so this comes to my next question right is that there's probably as many stories as we've just been talking about and many more where they've actually sought advice, but it was wrong. So then how do you know if the advice is firstly right for you? And secondly, if the advisor has a clue? <laughs> well, that's a that's a really interesting question. Um, I think, you know, we have this thing called our gut. And uh, th- th- there's that old expression, you know, go with your gut or what's your gut feel. And And I actually do believe that you know, you can sit down with an, uh, with an advisor or someone that you're potentially looking at uh, working with, and you can have a conversation with them about their style, uh, how they communicate with you, and get a fairly good sense of whether, first and foremost, you, you can trust that person. And it's one of those things I think you kind of know it when you see it. And uh, unfortunately, you know, there are really good liars out there as well who can, who can fool people. But generally, I think the human being is uh, very capable of sitting across from someone and, of course, uh, ascertaining whether they are fair dinkum about, you know, their abilities uh, to help you achieve something. And, of course, one of the best ways we have of doing that is, is it's called the referral, where you will recommend someone to me. And uh, almost immediately because of that, because I trust you, I'm going to trust that person. So um, I think that's uh, that's probably my first point is to trust your gut. However, there are other signs, and particularly in financial advice, uh, where you can get a sense of whether this person knows what they're talking about. And I think experience is is a big thing. So, you know, there are a lot of folks now coming out of graduate programs and, and getting their ticket and all of that sort of thing. And, and, you know, they may be very book smart, 
but you certainly, I think, in, in any field of endeavor, whether it be uh, uh, financial planning or finance broking or a lawyer or whatever, you certainly want to deal with someone with some experience. So they need to have some reps under their belt. They need to have a bit of experience uh, to be sure. Now, any good advisor should be able to, especially in the financial planning space, if you're talking about investments, should be able to give you some sort of track record or indication of how they've done for other clients. And, uh, and I get that question all the time. What's your track record? Have you performed over the last few years? Whatever. Um, and oftentimes people will often, uh, they, they will ask me rather for, uh, to contact some of my clients to get a, a bit of a, uh, a reference check. So you can do all those sorts of things to, you know, suss out whether an advisor is any good. Um, there are other obvious signs as well. I think, you know, I always laugh about this. I probably shouldn't pick on accountants, but you know, when I see an accountant who's shabby, you know, wearing uh, sweaters with holes in it uh, and is disheveled looking, you know, they might know a lot about tax, but, but they're going to approach you with a mentality of, you know, scarcity because they're not even sort of looking after themselves. And, and here they are trying to give you tax advice or whatever. And you just think, well, and that might not be the right person for me. I'm not saying you got to go to the financial advisor that's driving a Ferrari. I think there's probably uh, other issues with that. But uh, yeah. certainly, I was uh, thinking real estate agents might as well. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, those, those, look, those are very superficial sorts of things. I, you got to connect, but, right? I think you got to connect. Of course. You, what I'm interpreting from you and I agree is you got to connect with your advisors, and and that's that whole gut feel level. So. We made mention in the promo that you can't just go on gut feelers in like, um, oh, yeah, I was down the pub and I got a good feeling about this horse, so I'm going to go and bet on black, you yeah. know, um, with your investments. Tip, you know, you hear this all the time. You're wrong. Yeah, I heard about this, this you know, mining company. It's, it bears <laughs> two cents. It's going, to, it's going to 50 bucks or something and you just go, <laughs> you know, really just think about that for two seconds, you know, and, um, I, yeah. and that's a great example. You know, you wanted some stories. I had a client ring me, lovely clients, really smart, uh, switched on people. Uh, but this particular client had a mate, you know, who um, had previously done something in the in the mining space and, you know, had had some mining opportunity. They were starting a, a junior mining company. He was raising capital for it. And I just said to this person, um, you know, no way should you invest in that because uh, and, and he wanted to use some of his super money. And actually, I said, you can't use your super money because it really, you know, that's there to to grow for your retirement. And, and what you're proposing to me is that you're going to go into something that is so speculative that you might as well just figure that money is now lost. And um, I said, look, if you want to use your own personal cash for that, go for your life. You know, I'm not endorsing it because, you know, in that instance, and this is the feedback I gave them as I said, look, if this company is going to be successful and, and a really good company down the track, you'll have time to buy it later. You don't have to buy it today or, or be the first investor in. You know, if the company goes really well, you can always be the second or the third or the fourth investor. You know, you, yeah. people get hung up on this. Like they, they think that if they are in on the ground floor, that it means they're going to make squillions of dollars. And rarely does that ever happen, number one. Uh, but secondly, you know, lots of great companies. Uh, I mean, a great example of that is Apple. Like, sure, I would have loved to have bought and owned Apple for the last 30 <laughs> years. But the reality is Apple is still a company that, you know, you can own and make a lot of money owning it. And uh, they're now, I think, I don't know what their market cap is, but it's almost a trillion dollars or something like that. You know what I mean? So there's, the opportunities are always there, I guess, is the point of that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. So what is the, uh, the best responses for, let's say, uh, uh, not professional advice? Because 
in this, like in every country, it's all the same, but people talk, right? And when they talk, I think in our country, they don't always talk as much as in other countries. There's people a bit more private, a bit more, you know, oh, no, nah, I'm not doing anything, you know, whatever. Um, but people generally talk and there's always opinions and they're generally from family or the, the dudes down the pub, right? The pub talk. So what's the best way for clients and our customers to navigate that? I mean, do they just say, look, don't say anything or if they happen to bring it up and it's just a friendly conversation to say, you know, hey, you know, I don't want to hear your opinion. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because that sort of stuff, everyone's got opinions, right? Whether, no matter what it is, it can be, you know, the color of a brick, it can be the type of car, it can be an investment, it can be anything. There's always opinions around. And whether for someone who's not as experienced, you know, that can actually play in their mind and be sitting there and going, well, hang on, everybody's telling me I should do this, PJ, but you're saying that. So how do how do you and the client deal with that sort of stuff going around their head? That That is a fantastic question. And it's something I have thought about a lot over the years. And this is my answer to that. When you get advice from a friend or a family member, what you have to remember is they are projecting onto you their experience. Now, let's say, for example, you're, you know, 25 years old and you have a, a say, a, a, well, even your parents or something like that, right, who are, who are going to be maybe in their 50s or early 60s. Their current position in life is far different from yours. And so, again, they're going to project their beliefs and values and what's worked for them over the years. Uh, and, and real estate's a great example of that. But it may not be appropriate for you. But they're unable to sort of put themselves into your shoes per se, and to look at your situation and actually ask the question, what's best for you. Now, this is a juxtapose this, this against an advisor like myself, who, if you walk into my office and you're a 25 year old and you're just getting started, my job as an advisor is to not project anything onto you about, about my current situation, but to ask the questions, what, 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 you know, what's most appropriate for a 25 year old in this situation with this balance sheet and whatever other situation they're presenting with, and then help them solve that particular problem. So this is where I think things fall over with friends and family, uh, where they're sort of coming from what's worked for them. And they might've been willing to take more risk, or they might've been, they might've had, you know, an inheritance of half a million dollars that they could throw into a property or, or the market or something like that. They don't ask, the friend enough questions about, oh, well, how much money do you have? Or what are you really trying to achieve? Or do all those things that a properly qualified advisor who, you know, is, is supposed to do that and act in that client's best interest, that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, so that that's kind of how I deal with that situation. I would, would suggest people, you know, listen to your friends and family, for sure. They often have pearls of advice and wisdom and all those sorts of things. But just be very careful about that advice you get, because again, they could be projecting, you know, their own, uh, uh, successes and and most of the time it's failures like oh don't do that because it didn't work for me well maybe yeah, it didn't work for them because exactly. they didn't get advice <laughs> yeah well that's it i mean i had someone tell me when i was younger that was like not a family member but a friend uh a friend's parent that uh you know, you'll never make there's no money to be made out of real estate you never make any money out of real estate now i wasn't even at the time thinking about real estate right but my thought pattern was well how is that true because there's plenty of people with money that have real estate and there's guys developing stuff. And like, this was like years ago. I had no interest in even in it. Like this is when I was like a teenager, but I still said to myself, that doesn't make any sense. 
there's probably people that have lost money out of real estate, but there's obviously plenty of people that have made money out of real estate. So you can't just say that because they had lost money. It's never going to work. And that's exactly what you're talking about, just projecting that their experience or their experience or their viewpoint onto you or someone else. In those situations is to say, oh, you've lost money in real estate. Tell me more about that and see what they actually then divulge because you're going to get down into the detail of it. And, And it could be that, oh, they bought a property and this has happened as well. You know, they bought a property in a mining town because you know there was a mining boom on and these these yields were so good right you've, you've seen this happen all over the place right and then uh, five years later uh the, the the mining boom is busted or the project that was going ahead in that location didn't happen and now all of a sudden property values have dropped by 60 percent, and there's no nobody to rent your property around you know and that could that's a very common tale and that could be why they're saying oh real estate doesn't work it's like well it didn't work for you because you didn't get advice and you, you know, you did something that, exactly. that didn't work out. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's good. All right. Well, so that's it. We've covered a lot uh, today, PJ. I mean, obviously we had some stories we've had, you know, how to perhaps connect with your advisor and all the good reasons why you need to seek advice. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it for the day? Yeah. I think the, the one thing we probably haven't talked about just yet is, the cost of advice. And uh, so people, you know, I, I get lots of clients that come to me and, and one of the first questions they'll ask me is, you know, what does it cost for me to deal with you? And I, I usually will temper that response in saying, well, you know, my, my costs range from X to Y, uh, but what are the costs of you not getting the appropriate advice? And again, I'll go back to the legal uh, sort of example where what's the cost of you not having a legal agreement in place? It actually could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars to uh, not have a legal agreement in place because there was nothing governing the transaction. Now you got to sue somebody. And I've heard of cases like this where someone has spent literally a million dollars fighting someone in court over, you know, uh, a company that if they had just set up a proper shareholders agreement and other things that none of that would have happened. So you often, uh, as a person going to to acquire a service or use a service, will be thinking about the cost of it. But the next level of thinking around that, if you're going and seeking advice from an advisor, is to say, if I don't do this, what could it cost me over the long term? And I think immediately you'll 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 get comfortable with the fact that if you don't get appropriate advice, it can cost you a lot more over time. Um, and it's it's just worth spending the money. That's the thing I've learned 50 years on this planet. 25, 30 years in business, you know what, when I am now required to look at something and I know I need to go get advice, and I'm lucky I got a lawyer down the hall, I'm usually right down into his office and I say, you know, what do we need to do here, mate? And then I say, just send me the bill. I don't even ask the yeah. questions anymore about the cost because I know even if I don't proceed, for example, the transaction or something like that, um, what I've invested in, in the time and in the learnings and then them looking at a transaction uh, it can often save me a, a ton of money in the long run. So that that's what I would just say about the cost of advice to people. Yeah, that's right. And it's not, as, as I look, I 100% agree. It's not just the dollar figure. Um, it's it's not even the necessarily the outcome. It's, it's not just the outcome. It's the what could have been if you hadn't done it. That's the one that is just impossible to price and people don't really appreciate enough of. And that can be anything from, um, should they invest? Should they not invest? Did they invest in the wrong thing? Did they buy the wrong property? Uh, you know, you never know that, right? But you might not know that for 20 years. It's too late. Um, and so I 100% agree 
that is the absolute, the value of advice is what you don't do. <laughs> yeah, well, what look, you the end up of that is that a good advisor's job is to identify risk and to tell you what the risks are. Like I have this conversation all the time with my lawyer, you know, he <laughs> and lawyers are funny, right? Because their job is to keep you out of court. And so they're going to tell you all the negatives and all the risks about a transaction. And that's fine. As long as you know what they are, what you then have the ability to do is mitigate that risk somehow. And there may be a way to do that, either negotiation with the other party or, or you know, a different strategy in investing or, you know, in the case of property, it might be, well, don't buy that property in, at the back of Burke, maybe buy something, you know, within 15 Ks of the Sydney CBD. You know, that's how you mitigate risk. So. Uh, a really good advisor, I think, in any um, in, in any profession, will be telling you what are the risks of doing something and even not doing something, and that is worth paying for. Yep, I hundred percent agree, and I think that's uh, enough to to leave in the back of people's mind, mate. I think that's a good way to end it. So, PJ, thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate your insight, as usual. Pleasure. Always happy to be on uh, Zenium Live. Yeah. <laughs> well, to get my guide, we out. do okay. <laughs> we do broadcast globally, as you uh, quite often remind me. So thanks for reminding me again that uh, we're global. Uh, for those of you that are listening to our podcast, thanks for listening, and uh, you can contact us at www.zenium.live no dot coms no dot au's uh, or you can call us at one three hundred double six double seven eight nine and you can find us at any decent podcast outlet of course you can watch the replay on facebook youtube linkedin and twitter all the places that we live stream to uh, you can make comments there live and non-live and our team will be able to answer you if you do it live though we get to answer you here on the show all right you've got any questions you can hit us up at hello at zenium dot lives that's hello at zenium.live and for any comments questions or whatever else you want to tell us about the podcast and the show thank you very much to pj today uh this has been all things money finance and property i'm your host scotty north and we're on zenium live <laughs>